Welcome, friends, to Liberation Lectionary, uh, where we riff and uh, discuss and search for ways to find the, the, the liberation that is present in um, our scriptures and in the, in the Gospels. I'm Francisco Garcia, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. And with me always is Jamie Edwards Acton, coming to you from Los Angeles. A little bit away there. That's right. And so we are, um, our today's episode is looking at the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. And uh, we're still in the Gospel of Mark, working our way through it, probably until Advent, I think. Is that right? That's correct. All right. So James can at least lead us through today's passage. Yeah. So this passage comes from Mark 12, 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked them, which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and besides him, there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any questions. The Gospel of the Lord. All right. So what do we have here, Jamie? Are they, are they trying to trip up Jesus some more? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, actually, this is a passage where some scholars seem to think that you know there is some kind of good intention here that this is not just necessarily um um you know a, a trap or anything like that and that it sounds like the scribe is is uh influenced at least or impacted or impressed by uh jesus's response There's um authentic or genuine engagement going on here yeah yeah, and uh, and I think you know just the context. We the last passage um, that we had Bartimaeus, you know, last week, and we and that was the in chapter ten, and that was the last uh, passage uh, before Jesus entered Jerusalem, right? So the very next scene after Bartimaeus is Jesus uh, entering, you know, uh, into Jerusalem, the Palm Sunday uh, reading, which we'll go back to later on in the year, but. Um, so Jesus, so it's just important to remind us that this is, you know, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's in, I believe he's in the temple here. And if I'm not mistaken, and, um, and teaching there, uh, where the crowd is gathered. And so, you know, these are all super important kind of details, uh, because we're at the culmination of his life. We're at the kind of epicenter of, uh, the religious cultural, uh, you know, uh, 
world reality of Jesus's time. And so he's kind of making his, um, what do they say when they, you know, in a, in a court, when that last, you're making your, you know, at the very end, you're kind of making your, I can't remember, but he's, he's summarizing his case here, right? Uh, he's trying to succinctly kind of summarize what his life has been about, what his teachings have been about, what his uh, healings and inclusive actions and just kind of challenges to authorities um, have been about. And he sums it up here with some very familiar language, right? Uh, to any scribe, certainly, and to most Jews of that time, they would uh, recognize uh, the language that Jesus is uh, using here. So he's kind of, you know, he's kind of going, you know, after all, all after all the, the table turning and uh, the, the, the paradigm shifting and the authority challenging, he basically is going back to the basics here. So. Well, and, you know, in Jesus's, um, you know, customary style, he's not, he's always doing more than one thing, right? right. When he's right. responding, we know that Jesus is doing a number of different things and, to, and, and not just kind of playing it safe either. Right. He's orthodox, but he's also uh, pushing or challenging. And so think about the answer, right? The, the question was, which commandment is first of all? And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, of course. Here's the first one. Um, but the second one is this, right? He doesn't stop there, right? Right. So love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment greater than these. He holds them together, right? Right. Um, and then gets an affirmation right? So it's, he's like, he's challenging, you could see at the end, right, by the end of this conversation, no one dared to ask him any question, like, oh, we don't want to get, you know, right. <laughs> it's kind of like, he showed us, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, but Jesus is really pointing to something that is, I think, deeply seated um, in, in the, this tradition, right? He, he's, he's saying a couple things, right? He's like, I am, I am in the same tradition that you are, and 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 I'm going to remind you really what the true emphasis I believe is. You know, mm -hmm. you know that we can't separate love of God from love of neighbor. You know, mm -hmm. um, the two go hand in hand, and um, you know, and and the the scribe that responds, you know, adds it right all of this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices because there was still that sort of like um, tension or sort of variation of practices. Those who held that, um, that offering sacrifices was, you know, was the way um, to, um, to remain, you know, to keep God, I guess, in, in, in our good graces. Yeah. And then there's yeah. other, yeah, I mean, he's definitely channeling the, the, the great prophets here, right? And reminding, you know, um, Israel and us, right? I mean, this message is just as timely to us today as, yeah, to Israel then, but just reminding what the priorities of God are that, you know, all the, you know, that worship and the burnt offerings and those, which those things, which we still today think are front and center are central. They're just window dressing right? It's just, it's just, those are the extras. Those are the extracurricular activities. The main thing, right? The main thing to love God is to love your neighbor. If you want to really, truly 
love God and live into God's kind of vision of the world. It's to love your neighbor and to see your neighbor. And I, and I hear in that your neighbor, particularly if we go back after each Sunday, you know, and of the last like six Sundays, who Jesus would describe as the neighbor, right? Like Luke does of the Samaritan, but this, you know, the neighbor is that, that kind of, uh, you know, the, the child, that non-entity child that he keeps, you know, kind of lifting up as an example, or the woman in the divorce kind of conversation who is disempowered and has no rights, um, or blind, you know, Bartimaeus, right, who is the least, you know, is, is definitely on the, on the, on the, outskirts on the margins of society so jesus is um you know this is his summary statement right because he's he's already said who really that neighbor is so we don't want to try to we don't want to use that passage love your neighbor as yourself as just because i'm going to go bring some cookies and milk to my the person living next door to me that's not necessarily what that means it includes that but that's not uh that's not the focus and that's not really what jesus is getting at so um, yeah, I, I love how it, this is just summed up and it's, it's clear as day that, you know, not only did they, and he, and again, he's in the center of religious power and worship, right? The and celebration and he's challenging once again, like the prophets, right? That he's challenging this, this whole activity that's taking place in this building where he is having this conversation and, um, and in this city, right? Where this conversation is happening. And he's just challenging kind of the, the assumptions of what's important to God that people think are important and priests and scribal class and all Pharisees. Um, and it's just this kind of last challenge, you know, that's gonna be, you know, it's going to contribute to his doom. And he, you know, and I'm sure he's well aware of that as, you know, as those in power will conspire with the Roman empire, you know, to do him in because they both have vested interest to do so. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is the summary of his life right here. And I think this should be, uh, you know, this passage should be etched on our hearts, I think, or at least on every church wall uh, as you, you know, walk in. So well, and think about it. I mean, this is um, to remind folks in the Jewish tradition, this that first portion is so central to Jewish faith and practice even today. What people recognize as the, as the, the, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but the Shema or Shem Ha, mm -hmm. uh, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, and then it continues, right? But um, God as the source of everything, right? And then the fact that those commandments of loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, um, and then loving neighbor as yourself, those two things um, go hand in hand, but they flow from that one source, from that, right. that the, the God is one. Um, you know, and I kind of think of it then, you know, God is one, and then what is God, right? We can think about john and you know god is love abide in me as i you know as as uh, love me as i have loved you and, and right. how that works into the christian tradition so powerful and prominently but in the jewish faith this is essential um and it is repeated um throughout prayer services it's you know it's used in morning blessings holidays um you know bedtime prayer i mean part of like all the rituals of life and death and celebration, um, uh, this, is, this is central. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm thinking about this passage as it speaks to us during the pandemic. And um, it really, may, it just dawns on me um, that during the pandemic, at least, at least uh, for my experience in the two churches that I run, but um, I think this is probably for a number of churches, but you know, the, the anxiety when COVID hit, unfortunately was how do we, you know, how do we do what we do in worship? How do we do that? How do we translate that virtually, right? Online somehow, um, as if that was the only way to um, not only just keep the community together and connected, but to give ourselves identity, to maintain our identity, right? And so there was these, you know, it, it, the, all the energy went there, right? To the Zooms and the Facebook Lives and all this. And what do we do with communion? And who does communion? And, you know, this. Do, it, do you do spiritual communion or do you do real real communion? That, right. And who, yeah, right? that's right. And, and I've got communion and you don't. And, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And for our experience, we went through those anxieties as well. We went, we fell into that trap, right? Because it was just the the gravity, the, the, the inertia was going in that direction, that whole conversation. But really, where things were uh, beginning and then exploding, right, and was around this loving your neighbor stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, Francisco, we started a food uh, distribution program, a fresh produce distribution program here at St. Stephen's, and then subsequently at St. Barnabas, where we didn't that when COVID hit and we were just focused on our parishioners uh, at the beginning and then it exploded till we're still doing it today and probably you know hand out maybe 10 you know eight to ten tons of fresh produce each week right uh with 100 over 500 combined families you know that come through drive through still and um and we that wasn't even on our radar right before COVID. That wasn't even our radar. So that, you know, that's no small thing that has taken off. Or when you when you see that, you know, when we were hunkered down in our virtual worship spaces, activists were still out in the street, you know, in Black Lives Matter, um, you know, George Floyd protests, all that kind of stuff. They were willing to, you know, albeit it was outside, so it was better, but still, they, there was a risk level, you know, that I felt like there was a higher tolerance for risk in those justice uh, spaces um, than, um, you know, than like at church, right? And uh, so I, those are just two examples that just occur to me, like how these wonderful aspects of our faith or these wonderful examples of loving your neighbor as a way of loving God continue to just, you know, grow and expand um, while we were still, you know, kind of tangled up in this whole conversation about virtual worship and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I mean, and I think what hopefully it, it has done for communities, for your community and for other communities that, you know, that have wrestled with this is to have a different understanding um, of what worship is and that worship you know shouldn't be and can't be confined to whatever we do for that hour or so on Sunday morning that what you are doing um when we're doing the 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 tangible the 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 physical the spiritual work of being present um and loving our neighbor um of, of being in solidarity and in, in, in some kind of way that's worship that is essential 
worship. And right. um, the worship that we do on a Sunday morning should really, in my mind, be um, inspired by that the, 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 the primary worship which we do, which is every other day of the week to love neighbor and love God, right? Um, should be inspired by that and then should also um, uh, ins inspire further action of loving neighbor, you know? So it's kind of like feeding in and, and giving out, you know? Right. And yeah. then there be this, this, this reflection in action, right? We talk about praxis, right? That this constant spiral of, of, of reflection and action, um, all going back to this, these two principles that we have. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, that would be, I would, you know, that would be so much more valuable as, uh, and this happens, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but as a worship service, if we saw it just like that, as that kind of that second movement of praxis, right. That it becomes, you know, there's an action We're we're trying to, we start by loving neighbor as, as, as a tangible expression of loving God. And then we reflect on how that is so, right? And then that's where we bring in our tradition. That's where we bring in our reasoning. That's where we bring in, you know, um, scripture and its stories. And, and uh, it, would, it would, you know, that would, if we, and, and again, that happens because some of us just instinctually push in that direction. But I, I, I think the tension happens is because we can't get the dang larger church yeah. to embrace that model, right? To like, you know, to really support that, you know, because that happens and you might get some lip service, you know, like good, you guys are doing a good job. But then when it comes time to fill out parochial reports and stuff like that, you're like, hmm, well, where do I put this? And where do I, how do I talk about this? And, how, you know, um, so it's still, you know, I think the... The, the the models and the kind of the the way we think about things still trying to catch up with that way of doing church yeah we get you know so much of our tradition and i'm not you know i'm i'm not talking just about the episcopal tradition right this right. is sort of even bigger christian bigger c <laughs> <laughs> um that we get stuck in our own ways in orthodoxy right which is like what right belief and i mean i think orthodoxy can include right worship right right liturgy you know the uh, the right prayers the right this and that and then you know now uh, we forget about the the right action which is like orthopraxis orthopraxy is a fancy word for it, but it just means right action right practice right um and and um how do are these things aligned with each other, right? Right. It's easy to say, it's, I mean, think about it. And this is us too, right? It's easy for the scribe to say, you're right, Jesus, right? You're right, teacher. This is, this is what we believe, right? So again, this is orthodoxy. Um, but is it in harmony with our practice, you know? Right. And right. so that is our greatest challenge is to continue to navigate that and to really critically examine and to see survey our life survey the life of our congregation um search you know and, and see where we are on that yeah yeah i had a great uh i you know we're to always trying to push those you know boundaries and expand uh you know not just put the action first and the reflection second but then to it's much more conducive to expanding our understanding of church right what like who is our church right 
who is our community? And we had a great experience, you know, Francisco, we're starting this new uh, experiment at St. Barnabas in Eagle Rock at one of the churches where we, on every other week, instead of worship, we're in the evening, we're opening it up to the community to have concerts. And, um, and we call it the Harmony Room. And uh, it's a great space that's super conducive to that. And we kicked it off. It's been super, it was wonderful. But the, the highlight of the evening for me was unexpected. When in the middle of the concert, um, you know, when people, because people get up and get refreshments and we had wine there, we had, you know, it's kind of stuff like that. It was really nice uh, while the concert was going on. But someone got up and got refreshments, then came over to me and handed me their pledge envelope while I was sitting there. <laughs> so I put my pledge, I put their pledge envelope in my pocket and I, you know, brought it to church the next workday. And, but I just thought that was awesome that, you know, that they saw that as church, yeah. right? That they saw that experience that there was no, there was no communion. There was no preaching. There, it was just full on uh, jazz and spoken word. And, uh, and I didn't have, all I did was introduce and sit down. And, uh, and I love that someone felt compelled to give me their pledge envelope, you know, because they didn't want to miss, you know, that this was church and this, yeah. that's what you do. You can, you support your church. It's <laughs> great. And I think that that's another testimony to the fact that no, we can't expect that everyone who is connected will be fed, um, you know, spiritually um, from that, that one or two, those one or two services we do on a Sunday. I mean, we can't expect that that's going to feed everybody um, or speak to everybody in the same way. And if we, and, and to really think that church is many things in many places and different for everybody. Yeah. Um, and so that's a great example of that, Jamie. Um, I just heard from a, a colleague of ours, um, you know, telling me a story of, um, uh, you know, the, the, of uh, someone who had been in, in their community who had been um, a participant in their um, homeless services program, you know, that they were coming to receive services, you know, that the church provided space and, and you know, cooperated with community orgs to, you know, to do this weekly thing um, for folks uh, on the street you know, really needed, really needed stuff um, and had been participating in that for years. Um, and, um, you know, just recently, um, and this is like maybe over a decade later, I don't know, something like that, just recently um, started coming to church on Sunday and was recently even confirmed um, mm -hmm. by the bishop. Um, and in the conversation, what came up was, it was like, well, um, I've always felt, I've always felt welcome here, you know, from the beginning, like th this person said that they always felt welcome, um, but something shifted where it moved from just feeling welcome to actually feeling like this is my spiritual community. This right. is my home. This I'm is part of this. I'm a part of this. I'm not. I have agency in this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like Bartimaeus, right? Um, yeah. I'm not just being acted upon or being, uh, you know, this place doesn't show me. Right. Not just tossing me a couple coins on a, my cloak, you know. My humanity and wants me here um, and wants all of me, you know? And so it's another testimony to yeah. what this can really mean when we, um, when we I think, do the work. 
Yeah, and I, the last thing I'll say, Francisco, I think is that that's, the, that's what Jesus does in this passage, right? He, on the one hand, it's super brief, the summary statement, right? This, uh, and of his life and everything, it's very concise. But on the other hand, if you just reflect on it, it really does open up all kinds of possibilities, right? For how we love God and love neighbor, that it's not just uh, confined uh, to burnt offerings and sacrifices or write one or write two or write three or whatever, right? Or what kind of vestments you're wearing or, you know, or virtual or in person. It's just not confined to those, you know, kind of poor choices if it's just those choices. And um, so it really does open up all kinds of possibilities, this passage. And I think that's where the, the potential for liberation lies, right? Yeah. Because when we break out of that mold um, of what we think church is or the limit and the limitations of that, then we can really, um, you know, get to work in a completely different way. Yeah. And that I said, that was going to be the last I said, but you, you do this to me all the time, Francisco, but that was, that was, uh, I think loving our neighbor, that's what we want for them. We want their liberation. Right. And again, not just the person next door, but all those examples of neighbors that we've heard Jesus talk about Mark up to now. And we want their liberation. We want their full humanity uh, being celebrated and and uh, appreciated. And um, so, and our liberation is wrapped up all up in that. You know, it's not separate. So right, none are free until we're all free. Right. Right. <laughs> well, Francisco, I've enjoyed it. We had rain out here yesterday. Believe it or not, I don't know how you guys are doing, but. Is that do you really call that rain? <laughs> um, it's Southern California. It's Los Angeles. We we got it rained for one day. We're done for the year. Our rainy season is over. So. <laughs> rain is just a regular thing over here in Tennessee now. <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry. Try to keep your spirits up, man, in the midst of that endless I'm rain. So. All right, Francisco. I've enjoyed it. Until next time, we'll see you later. Check us out on podcasts, Facebook. Peace. Peace off.